Hi, you've probably noticed that we've been on a 12-bit oscilloscope frenzy lately. It's like every company sending in their 12-bit oscilloscope. Thank you, Siglent. Uh, this one just magically turned up uh, a little while ago, actually. I just unboxed it uh, the other day. So this is the SDS2354XHD, or the 2300X HD series. So it's a 12-bit jobby, 350 megahertz bandwidth, starts at 100 megahertz, and uh, two gig samples per second. So it's not like, you know, hugely high performance like that new MXO, uh, Roden Schwartz MXO series scope we uh, saw. But um, yeah, this one starts at about uh, 3,200 bucks for the 100 megahertz uh, four channel one. And uh, the one you see here is about five grand. And now unlike the Rigol, uh, we've seen two 12-bit oscilloscopes from Rigol. And one is, of course, the uh, the 1000 series, which starts at 999 bucks. So, you know, but that is not expandable at all. Whereas this one is at least expandable with your uh, logic analyzer. And also you're probably wondering, where's the ARB generator? Well, it's on the back here. So it does have wave gen, does have external trigger, does have aux out, does have uh, LXI uh, LAN. But even if you want to compare it to uh, Rigol's uh, 4000 series, which is their higher end 12-bit uh, uh, unit, which I think is similar sort of uh, price point, but it's not expandable. Doesn't have uh, the logic analyzer or wave gen capability. So both of uh, Rigol's 12-bit uh, offerings are just a basic oscilloscope. So yeah, at least this one is expandable. Anyway, I do like the sort of like squat uh, look of it here. Obviously, you know, with four channels, you can't, and a large uh, touchscreen, you can't have like individual uh, controls like this. But, you know, I kind of like the look of it. It's a bit chunky, but it kind of, you know, I, I, I rather actually like the look of this one. Apart from um, the, the font here, just looks, everything just looks like ordinary and not very professional. Is that just me? Remove film before use. Well, we'll do it before the teardown. So let's go. Oh yeah, look at that. Um, that is a matte finish screen. So yeah, not hugely reflective. So thumbs up there. And we'll take off these protective things here. It does have uh, times 10 uh, probe detection. Nice, but you'd expect that for uh, this sort of uh, price point. Doesn't have active probe uh, interface though. Get rid of those. Oh, this is the best part. Calibration void is seal broken. Come on, where are you? Oh, there we go. Look at that. Oh, that feels good. Oh, look, I could have just peeled that off and stuck it back on. Ah, well, they do have Loctite, nice. By the way, if you do like to take your own gear apart, and I highly recommend it, don't turn it on, take it apart. Yeah, you can just buy like um, cow stickers. So you want to peel the sticker off and it doesn't come off. You can actually uh, clean it, usually clean the residue off. And then uh, if you ever want to resell it, you can just buy like a generic warranty void sticker. No one will know the difference. I don't recall seeing another scope that has screws on the handle like that. Okay, this is not as easy nor obvious as other scopes. Um, do I have to take these off? Maybe. Yep, looks like I have to. Okay, that's lifting up, but don't know about the top. Wow, there's something you don't see every day. Look at this. No wonder the screws were there. This is a die-cast alloy handle. And they're obviously putting that, I presume that just goes into the plastic there and that's what was i think that's what was holding in the top yep wow when was the last time you seen a die cast alloy handle unbelievable maybe it actually does go into the metal in there we'll see yeah that's really something there you go that's what we expect there's nothing else in the case there for you case aficionados yeah sure enough 
Yeah, look at that. Wow, they've got big solid metal things for the handle. That's just incredible. Okay, is this gonna set a new trend <laughs> for scopes? They're going, oh, the Siglent's got an alloy handle. Can I have an alloy handle, please? So I wonder if there's any other old school uh, tricks inside this thing. Let's find out. Geez, no wonder it costs a lot more than the Rigol. Spinny spin spin. Yeah, it's got locking washers. Oh, no, it's only got one locking washer. Oh, okay, does that lift off? There you go. We've got one cable coming out. Oh, look at that. There's our... Uh, what board is that? Ah, okay. Yep, that is the wave gen. That's interesting, isn't it? Wow, I've never seen a separate wave gen board like that. That is fascinating. I'll get uh, some high-res photos, of course, all always available on the EV blog Flickr account, like the uh, coax going over there. That's that's just beautiful. Um, but yeah, they haven't uh, bothered to uh, shield that individually from like the rest of the unit. But as from an outside product, it's all shielded, of course. So no wackers, but that's that's fascinating. Wow. Ooh, and we've got an open frame power supply here. Wow, this is, I'm really liking the look of this. This is absolutely different to other scopes on the market. Um, anyway, yeah, open, we'll have a closer look at the open frame uh, power supply over here. But uh, yeah, they've got a separate external uh, trigger board and stuff. So that's a vertical uh, riser board there. And this has, look, they've got a coax going off there. Where's that going to? That's going to something else oh that'd be that'd be connecting over to the main uh board and down here you've got your optocoupler uh trigger board they've gone to a lot of effort there i'm really um very surprised by this scope and look at these um standoffs on here like they've uh, got the standoffs um they're pressed into the uh bent part of the metal chassis there and uh, to mount that board on it's beautiful. So a mains input uh, connector down here, nicely mounted like this, nicely earthed like that, going into a rivet uh, in there so it doesn't have a screw. Um, so that's just a right angle uh, spade lug riveted onto there and then uh, nicely uh, crimp terminal. And we've got AC here in, and then it looks like um, just, uh, is that single or double rail? I'd, I'm guessing that's just a single rail, like 12 volts out of there. And then they've got it going into this little board here. That's got some unpopulated stuff there. So they've just got like a bypass cap there and that's it. Nothing on the bottom. So there's like no fusing on that board. Yeah, I, they had something else in mind. This goes over here. Nice cable ties. Nice attention to detail. Even down here to stop it flapping around in the breeze. And then that's just uh, 12 volts going over to the main board. Um, that is really quite remarkable. Anyway, if you're a fan aficionados, uh, Delta. Um, Delta are a pretty good brand. Uh, DC, you know, Chinese brand, but they're pretty darn good. They're reputable, at least, known. Just small things I notice, like this is just like a, a riveted alignment pin, which seems to match up with that pin, but I don't see how it physically helps apart from, yeah, assembly alignment. Why would you go to that amount of effort? Somebody gilded the lily. Well, they really wanted you to know who manufactured the power supply. It's uh, Meanwell, and they're very uh, reputable. Uh, and yeah, it's look, you know, it's got all the requisite uh, certifications and everything. And yeah, they really went to town. I like the uh, heatsink, uh, folded heatsink bracket over there. It's you know, it's anodized and everything, um, along with this one over here. 
So I'm not sure what brand that cap is. They're covering it up there. Leave it in the comments if you know. Um, anyway, common mode uh, choke by the looks of it. It's got all the requisite uh, X and Y class caps. And yeah, it's really compact though. Now it says 120 watts maximum uh, on the back of the scope. So, you know, operationally it might be, I don't know, 60 watts or something. Could be half that, don't know. But yeah, nice little compact. And it's so compact, this is... Labelled FB here, the feedback, flyback, um, uh, they've got that going over right under the cap there. And of course the cap is off the board. So they've really tried to keep the footprint of this thing small. Um, anyway, it's got all the isolation slots and everything. Everything looks hunky-dory. Don't know uh, over voltage uh, protection connector there. So I'm not sure what the deal is there. Um, adjustment pot there. So maybe you can trim your uh, presumably uh, 12 volts out. It's got a little operational lead there, but, um, geez, yeah, that's a pretty funky power supply. I mean, you know, they had a bit more room there. So, I don't know, is that like an off-the-shelf jobby? Uh, wouldn't surprise me. Now, I'm sure that I was just, uh, well, complaining, I guess, or uh, highlighting in previous uh, scope teardown videos that, um, yeah, they all sort of are manufactured the same these days and there's no differences in terms of physical uh, construction you know they're all like a single board and they all open uh, the same way and this has been true of uh, Siglent and Rigol and other uh, brands and well this one is just um, surprisingly different so yeah I'm, I'm really liking this I like seeing uh, design variability like this because it, it uh, uh this is why teardowns are interesting because you get to see different methods used in construction and then you can you know store those away in your mind for uh when you have to design products and you go oh yeah like uh you know this idea that this uh, company used doing this thing and then uh, but i like but i didn't like that one so you still one little uh design touch from one manufacturer another from another and um yeah it's Really? Oh, is that going to come off? Have I forgotten something? Ah, uh, right, Beulah, Beulah. And once again, you can see those alignment pins there. Isn't that neat? So they've put those in, uh, looks like to save production time so that your holes then line up, the holes for the screws. So you don't have to dick around because, yeah, there's a gap in there and there's a gap at the other end as well. So if you put it in without any sort of like alignment there, then you're going to, you know, waste time in your production step dicking around trying to get all your holes uh, to line up. You can end up stripping threads and doing all sorts of annoying stuff as well as wasting time. And yeah, um, that's a really nice touch. Anyway, uh, airflow thermal wise, it looks like, uh, of course, uh, air comes out the back here like this. Um, so it's sucked in. The sides here, they've got one on the side here as well. It looks like that grill up there doesn't really do anything in terms of uh, that. So yeah, air's flowing over the heat sinks. The heat sinks seem to be in the right direction, like that. I can see down in there, they're in this way. So it's sort of, yeah, it's getting over the uh, fins. And let's pop the hood on this. How does that, oh, okay. I need to get a couple of ribbon cables out there. There's the power connector. There you go, we're in. There you go, we've got five uh, major uh, heat sink, heat sunk devices and two giant metal cans. Hang on one second, what's going on here? I thought this would be like an internal can I could see. That was that grill I was telling you about there. That grill 
goes into this. It's sealed on this side, this side and this side. So it's designed to get air. How? I don't get it. If the air is blowing out the back, what, it sucks some in? Oh, I think I get it. This is some sort of thermal, like, um, air duct guide for all this stuff on the top, right? We're, we're, we're talking power supply here, and we're talking, uh, you know, well, here, over, this is in there as well, uh, you know, there's a bit of heat generated in the uh, function gen here, although this vent here, that doesn't do anything, because there's no matching vent on the outside here, so I don't know why they added that, but um, is that sort of like a change in design halfway through the process? We were going to put like a matching uh, vent on the back of the case, but then we decided after testing to change it or go for a different thing and they just left it. They didn't want to, you know, change the, um, the tool in for that or whatever. So yeah, I've never seen like a, like a power supply on top like that. The fan here, so this power supply is cooled by sucking the air out of this. Is there vents on the side? Oh yes, yes. Look, there's large events on the side here, okay? So there's air coming in here, right? But only on one side. So air coming over the power supply. And then to get it out through the fan, it's got to go down into this vent through and then through here like this and then, and then it's guided and sucked out through the fan here. Wow. Um, <laughs> wow. This is just like really remarkable. It's so different to other scopes. I, I'm just finding this absolutely fascinating. So there you have it. We'll have to take a high-res photo and then do the uh, talking Dave head thing uh, once I remove uh, the heat sinks here. But obviously we've got ADC, ADC, uh, and then the FPGA up there. Um, I don't think they have a custom ASIC in this. Uh, curiously, there's a lattice there. That looks like it's driving. Is that like an LCD? driver maybe that's how they get fast do they are they using that as sort of like a way to pump the uh waveform information directly into the screen so this is called the atom that's obviously their code name for this uh architecture here but uh yeah really nice board I'm liking the look of it um so let me get the cans off actually these clips are not trivial to get off i can't just bend them and i it looks like i have to like maybe bend them a bit first before I can get them out. I've never had to do that before, I don't think. All right, let's take a brief look at the board here in glorious 4K screen capture. And uh, you can see here, obviously, ADC, ADC, their National Art Semiconductor Jobbies. Got the main acquisition ASIC here. Got the acquisition memory. Well, actually, they're very different. That's the acquisition memory. And that looks like some firmware for um, a little processor core running in here or something, presumably, because that is that part is very, very different. Check that out. So, yeah, yeah, they're definitely different. Then, and as, as I said, we've got this lattice jobby over here, which is very close to, and you can see some resistors here, very close. This is the LCD connector going across. So you've got to assume that that is somehow doing the mapping for the screen and maybe you know and my thought is is that they're dumping this is how the keysight works but the keysight does it all in its uh, mega zoom for uh, ASIC um, it might just be using a direct dump in there like that to get the waveform data out of well out of memory 
into straight into the screen like that and that, that might be how they're getting their fast waveform updating anyway that one is not particularly grunty because it doesn't have a uh, heatsink on it and uh, then we've got a Xilinx uh, Zinc over here so yeah um I don't know why they need this plus the Zinc over here and then of course the Zinc has the ARM uh, processor in it and then it's got a crap ton of memory around there so so yeah it's a rather uh, confusing architecture and, and obviously this uh, Spartan down here this Spartan 7 um, is running the Linux operating system inside presumably and um, or maybe actually no I think no the Zinc would be running the Zinc would be running the thing so what's this Spartan 7 doing well, we can't see on the bottom of the board here's the logic analyzer connector down here so maybe it's got something to do with that perhaps I don't know interesting anyway um that's basically all there is to it the front ends of course the 350 megahertz front end now let's actually compare this to the uh well you can still get it um it's not obsolete but the non-hd version which is the SDS uh 2000 plus series and I've done a video on that I've done a teardown video on that and I'll have to link it in so here's here's the two we can swap between them like that you can see significant differences they've got a uh, smaller ADC down here because once again this is an 8-bit uh, dual channel uh, jobby as opposed to the 12-bit one that we've got now hence the bigger heatsink and everything oh, right this has a giant heatsink on it and it's much more gruntier we'll have might have a look at the data sheet of that in a minute and then instead of uh, having that one big Artex capture FPGA which is here by the way couldn't see it there but that's actually an Artex uh, 7XC7A200T 1156-pin jobby. Thank you very much uh, for playing. And yeah, as you can see, that Micron memory there is very different to this. So we could have a look at that. I don't know who makes that, actually. So yeah, instead of one big acquisition ASIC, they've got two of them um, like that. And then um, I don't think I, I don't think I took the... Did I take the heat sinks off that? I don't know. You have to watch my previous teardown video. Maybe I did, but in the high res photos here, I don't have it. Anyway, I think that's is that the zinc uh, processor that the application's running on. And once again, they still have that ladder. So it's a similar sort of thing. Acquisition ASIC and then something else doing up here. And then the mysterious lattice one which is that yeah so there are significant differences there but if we have a look at the front end now we can actually compare the front end between the two of these and the top here is the older one and this is the new 12-bit jobby and you can see that there's nothing in it there's a few little like component differences in terms of like that transistor there is like flipped orientation and stuff. You know, just tiny little layout things like there. Those that pair there is like side. If they are a pair, they're side to side and they're offset a little bit here. But basically, um, oh no, hang on, it's an extra transistor down there, which is not on here. But geez, it's it's a very similar architecture front end. Slight differences in there. Um, there's their input termination resistor and you know AC coupling and stuff. They'll have a, do they have a separate uh, 50 ohm uh, path and things? But um, yeah, near identical between the 12 bit and the 8 bit version because like there's nothing special. Maybe it's slightly 
lower noise floor, but that would be you would get that in a different part for your uh, programmable gain amp here and maybe, you know, some of the uh, discrete transistors you use and stuff like that. But, you know, all the magic happens in the uh, PGA here, the programmable uh, gain amp. But, um, yeah, there's no, it's not really a difference in there. Um, and I can't quite make out the number on that one. Didn't get the photo in the right orientation. But there you go. That was the Nat Semi jobby before. And we've looked at that previously, I'm sure. I don't know if I found the actual part and it's got one of those obscure part numbers i think but there you go so yeah all the magic um happens of course over here on the uh new um 12-bit analog to digital uh converters so we can have a look at that over here here's your pdf and uh there it is 12-bit uh 2 slash 3.2 gig sample per second ultra high speed adc um uh, may 2010 there you go it's it's nothing new, um, but you know, these would be pretty pricey. Oh, come on, they don't have it in the application down here. Put crows. No, this is oscilloscope rubbish. There you go, it's actually got programmable uh, offset in there. That's pretty good. Wow, it's got programmable uh, time adjust feature as well. So, you know, this is, this is really neat. Anyway, um, yeah, that's a dual uh, channel one, but, and although this is a two gig sample per second, in fact, I can do 3.2 here, it's configurable as either a two gig sample per second interleaved one. So uh, you've got to use both uh, channels or one gig sample per second uh, dual ADC. So um, yeah, if you're, of course, got channels one and channel two turned on here, both of these share the same ADC like this. So uh, yeah, your sample rate's gonna half if you turned on. This is why most scopes work like this. If you want your full sample rate, you use channel one and then channel three goes into a separate ADC. Now somebody on the EV blog forum actually asked, uh, why don't they have, or like why doesn't channel one go into here and channel two go into this one over here and channel three go into that one and channel four go into that one so that, you know, most people are going to turn, if they're going to use two channels, they're going to turn on channels one and channel two here. Well, you can probably see the reason. It's a basically um, elegance of layout here. You can see that this is the differential pair. You can see it here. This is the differential pair running into the ADC. So this is the programmable gain amplifier, okay? So it converts single-ended uh, input here, i.e. grounded, and it converts it into a differential uh, driver, which then drives on this differential pair into the ADC like this. Now, of course, there's nothing stopping you routing that over to this ADC over to here like this, but then you've got to run channel three and cross it over like that. And you can see they're running the traces on the top here and there's going to be a ground plane, inner ground plane layer uh, below that. And of course, these are controlled impedance uh, traces, right? And so this is called a uh, micro strip when it's on the top. You can actually route them on the inner layer and then it's a strip line, but then you've got to use additional layers. I don't know how many layer board this is. Maybe we could find out um, if they've annotated it properly somewhere. But yeah, anyway, um, yeah, you can actually run them on the inner layers as a uh, strip line, um, and then you could actually cross them over like that, but it's it, it's just not an elegant thing to do. It's just, it's just not the done thing. So, like, you could, but it's just more elegant to simply, you know, run them like that. And then you've got to match the trace lengths like this, okay? So channel one 
has to match the length. This is why it doesn't go straight down here like this, okay? Because this path would be shorter than this path over here. So this is why they have to snake it around here. This is called uh, length matching, and they're matching the length of the pairs like this. So the delay, the propagation delay of channel 1 is exactly the same as channel 2. So if you had channel 1, if you had the chips in this exact position, channel 1 would go over to here, and channel 2 would go all the way over to here. Sure, you could, like, add some extra snake around there to, like, match it. And, you know, you could do it. Um, but it's just, eh, eh, it's just not very elegant. As a PCB designer, I'd go, and they wanted me to do that again. Really? Really? You want me to do that? Why can't we just get the user to, you know, plug into channel 1 and channel 3? What's the problem? Anyway, check it out. We have a power and reset switch over here. So that's interesting. They've put that on the board. So obviously, you know, you can do lots of board level uh, debug and stuff like that. That looks fun. Um, have they got a uh, JTAG? Yeah, is that a JTAG up there? That looks like a JTAG port, so knock yourself out. There, there's another JTAG. There's a serial. There you go. If you want to get a serial dump out of this sucker, I won't do it in this video. Um, there's another JTAG. Three pin. What's going on there? Is that, no, that might be some sort of jumper or something like that. Curiously, that one's not labeled and all the other ones are. So, eh, don't know what's doing there. Anyway, power supply wise over here, uh, you can tell it's a power supply because, well, it's got a nice big fat chunky chip there, which will have uh, the built-in, uh, you see there's no external MOSFETs there, so it's got big chunky internal uh, MOSFETs, and of course you can tell by the uh, decoupling there as well, there's a little 3.3 uh, volt linear uh, reg there, and they've got a few of these, actually, there you go, it's an MP, is that an MP52145, you can go look that up if you want. Anyway, that looks like the USB there, is it, perhaps? And our logic analyzer's here, so there's probably some logic analyzer stuff on the bottom, I would guess. And this is the board-to-board -board interconnect, which goes over to that uh, rear panel, and, of course, that uh, coax, which goes over to the uh, function gen. Got some old-school 4HC4051 analog mux. Nice. And what is that? Anyway, there you go. It is a very interesting architecture. One capture FPGA. Uh, the yeah, this Spartan Seven. Has that got a? Uh, it's. I reckon that's got a processor on it. Let me check that. No, the Spartan Seven doesn't have a hard um, ARM processor. It only supports like the software MicroBlaze uh, processor and uh, stuff like that. So they should could be running a MicroBlaze core in there, but I don't know. Yeah. But of course the zinc here, the zinc bad boy, we're seeing this in all tons of every modern oscilloscope uses a zinc uh, FPGA slash uh, processor in it and they're pretty grunty and um, yeah, no wackers. But it's interesting that would that actually mix Xilinx and Lattice here. So I don't know, maybe they've got like previous um, previous design tech that they reused on their more modern um, scopes here. That's the Mark XO uh, family. It's only got 640 lookup tables, uh, 6K bits of distributed RAM. <laughs> well, when I was a boy, I would have killed for that. Is that a LED? I think it is. It's a heartbeat LED, is it? Some oscilloscopes uh, we've seen, I think, aren't they just like the zinc, like this, ADC, straight into the zinc? Because in theory, that's all you need, right? Because in, inside this zinc, they're pretty powerful. It's got the ARM processor. Uh, the hardcore ARM processor, none of that softcore rubbish, hardcore ARM processor that runs the operating system, uh, runs the, you know, Linux or whatever uh, that this thing's working on, and then it's got the FPGA fabric to do all the capture. So that's the Atom there. It's their, I guess, their new architecture. So maybe expect new scopes to, like, be based on this 
particular architecture and then maybe the ADCs are going to vary which uh, feed into here but yeah maybe all the new scopes but um, yeah this is quite a significant um, increased price point compared to the Rigols I know this one has you know it's got the function gen it's got the logic analyzer and you know it's it's more better but it's not like it's massively high sample rate it's only two gig sample uh, per second and uh, well yeah I mean the uh, four channel Rigol um, HD four channel Rigol starts at 999 bucks this one is what 3200 US uh, dollars of course and even the uh, Rigol 4000 HD series well, they've just changed the name of it I think it's the DHO now instead of the HDO why they've, they've, they've changed it since I've done the video on that I don't know what the deal is there uh, differentiation market differentiation I don't know search term optimization I don't know anyway it's the DHO 4000 so yeah it's um significantly more pricey so if you're looking for a, a budget conscious uh, 12 bit um, entry level um, this signal is not it Rigol are absolutely killing that market uh, there's others on the market as well uh, that I think sort of like the lesser name brand but you know Rigol and Siglin are now almost you know nipping at the heels of the top tier manufacturers they've got some really high embedded kit and Siglin have been killing it lately um, and yeah I'm, I'm very impressed by this uh, design <laughs> and uh, they've put a lot of effort into it and by the looks of uh, we saw in there um, also that it was rebadged for LaCroix uh, as well and of course Siglin have made LaCroix uh, scopes before that's nothing uh, new but LaCroix are obviously going to badge this and maybe they just yeah um, they're shooting for a higher uh, price point market and, and the alloy handle yes please manufacturers can we have alloy handles for everything fantastic anyway enjoy the teardown give it a big thumbs up as always discussed down below catch you next time Thank <laughs> you.